My name is Carl Anthony, and I work in the automotive industry in Detroit. Sometimes that work encompasses future vehicle technology, and that's what we talk about here, for the most part anyway. This is AutoVision News Radio. Engineering, sales, fitness, and hip-hop. Justin C. McKnight, founder of Steady Growth Consulting, uses these and other collective experiences to help individuals and organizations build cohesive sales and leadership teams that inspire cultures of greatness. As a certified professional coach, Justin helps his clients increase retention and revenue while also lowering costs. He's a 20-plus year veteran of the automotive industry, beginning first as an electrical engineer, then later moving to sales and executive roles. Justin is a pioneer of a unique concept called sales engineering, and those insights he regularly shares on his LinkedIn page. Joining us today on AutoVision News is Justin C. McKnight. Justin, welcome to the program today. Thank you for such a nice intro, Carl. Um, Again, it's great to talk to you, and I I really appreciate being uh, one of the early guests on your show, and congratulations on the show. Yeah, th- thank you. It's 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 fantastic, and you know you are a, a fellow uh, Michigander, a fellow active member of the automotive industry. But you've got about a decade more of experience than I do. You've got over two decades of experience in this business, in this field, Justin, and you've worked in nearly every area. So you started, you know, in engineering, and then you've gone from sales and product development all the way up to executive and leadership roles. So tell us how you got your start in the automotive business and just take us through the journey of your career up until now. Yeah. And it's, it went by fast. I can say that and kind of surprising when I look back on it too, saying over two decades, um, my father and I were just talking about that, but I guess going back to the start of it, you know, although I've, I've always liked cars and trucks going into the auto industry was not my plan A yet. When I graduated college, uh, like, as you mentioned with the electronic engineering background, I began looking for work. And when you're in Michigan, the automotive industry is where you go. Right, right. And I was familiar with it too. My father had been in automotive for several years. He too was in sales leadership roles, working mostly for Japanese suppliers. Um, But the product he was dealing with was more car audio and infotainment stuff. So it's kind of funny. I ended up doing very similar work to what he did. Right. Um, And I still talk to him almost daily and get insights and advice from him quite regularly. Um, if you do see on a lot of my LinkedIn posts, he's he's one of the first ones to like them. Is that Jack McKnight who I always yes. see? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's so my so, J- yeah. so so Jack, if you're listening, a special greeting from Justin and I today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But as you mentioned, my my first role was as an engineer when I got out of school. Um, that was for body control modules. They were designated for Honda vehicles. So you're talking about controllers that power things like the windows, the seats, the wipers, headlights. So I learned quite a bit in that role, um, especially being straight out of school. And I was in a position where I got to work a lot with the technicians because we were doing a lot of testing, you know, DV, PV type testing. And they were so hands-on, you know, a lot of those guys knew more than the engineers did. Right, right. So I learned quite a lot just being down in the lab, watching them, working with them, even where they would need help and say, hey, here's the soldering iron, get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned quite a bit down there. And little did I know that that experience, honestly, was going to be so foundational for the all the rest of my future automotive jobs. Every job since has been due to me having a technical background and being familiar with Japanese OEMs and Japanese business culture, and then just 
I think overall having a, a solid, ready to learn, ready to work hard kind of character. I was in that role for about three and a half years as an engineer. Okay. And, and I knew I just, I wasn't that guy. I mean, I looked around at some of the other engineers and they were just so far technically beyond where I was at. And I was craving more and I was really intrigued by sales and program management kind of roles. So eventually I was recruited uh, for an opening at a Japanese supplier who made window regulators and push-pull cables. They wanted someone who knew Honda and had a technical background. And they said, hey, we'll help you learn the sales role. Um, and I worked with a very senior sales guy they had. He helped guide me. And boom, suddenly I'm sales account manager. So about two years later, um, after joining that company, I moved to another account manager role that was closer to home. Uh, this time the product was bearings. And again, they wanted someone with a technical background, some sales experience, but they you either knew Honda or Toyota. So I was hired in and I led their Toyota and their Toyota group accounts. So Toyota owns, you know, a major share in a lot of the major tiers. Right. So I helped manage everything Toyota related they had for almost a decade. Um, and that was about a quarter to a third of all their business. So it was a huge, important piece of the pie there. I got to take my first trip to Japan and I got really good honed in at being a senior account manager and just really sure. taking ownership of my accounts and really took a lot of pride in it. Right. So again, I was there for about a decade, but after towards the end of that, you know, I was getting a little stagnant, a little frustrated. Sure. Um, and, you know, wasn't really moving up the ladder anymore. I was just kind of mastering the account manager role. Um, so I kind of had a wake up call and really put a lot on my own shoulders of really upping my personal development game and just working on myself and really preparing for more. Eventually, the company had a joint venture that they had with another company, and they needed some sales leadership help. So I was invited to move over to that company in a leadership role and reported directly to the president. And we worked really well together, and it was another great learning experience. So each of these has been kind of like a step to greater and greater learning. I was there for about two years, um, and then... I could see like that was maybe going to have to go back to the the root company, kind of back to where I was. And I was like, no, you know, I think I want something different. So I was recruited for an electronic connector supplier. Same kind of story. They wanted sure. someone with a technical background, someone right. that had sales leadership experience, and someone that could understand and work within a Japanese business culture. So I got to lead the expansion of their Detroit office, their automotive division, built a bigger, better sales team, even worked on expanding the office, like physically adding, you know, all new desks, redesign, sure. and even took on some members in California because so much was starting out there with the new EV makers, the new LiDAR makers. Right. So another great adventure I got to learn from. And that took me up till about um, the end of 2019. Okay. Okay. So then we have the last two years, which have been a little hectic for everyone. So indeed, indeed. right pre, pre-COVID kickoff, I moved to another company. And right at that time too, I was still working on a lot of stuff for myself. So that was when I kind of got turned on to coaching. And I thought that that would be another good kind of feather in the cap towards, uh, yeah, like I think in the end of 19, I started my coaching certification program. And that led me to starting my own company, Steady Growth. Right. The whole purpose of that was, you know, to help driven professionals grow through personal development, focusing in the areas of technical sales and leadership. 
So that's coaching courses and consulting. I want to dive into the steady growth consulting, but I want to come back to one thing that you said before. So my late father was a business professor in the 80s and 90s, and Hmm. he gave his students, I think as part of his uh, business management course or business law or human resources or one of those classes that he taught, he actually did a lecture on Japanese business practices and how they were different from US business practices. And I can remember as a kid him talking about that and you know making notes for that lecture but you know how how is that different maybe from here in the US or what are some of the unique things that really stand out ab- about that process that you saw from your experience Sure and and again I, I even still to this day um you know I work for a Japanese supplier so I, I've worked for several and and then calling on the Japanese customers so I'd say one of the unique points is it's just the idea that the headquarters is not here. You know, it's a Japanese-based company. So, so much has to funnel through that headquarters. A lot of us would say the mothership. And also in Japanese culture, there's a, a big need for consensus. You know, you kind of don't act alone. Sometimes maybe on the American side, we're ready. We're ready to move. We made the decision. This is what we need. Let's go. Let's go. But they want to kind of think it through. And that can be frustrating for some that it takes a little more time But on the flip side, when you learn to work within that, you can kind of foresee the questions that are going to come and the way that the Japanese headquarters would like to be explained to and the logic that they would like to follow. And same thing for the customers. You go into Japanese customers and there's a certain logic they want to understand before making a change, before agreeing on pricing, you know, making any commercial agreements. There's a certain sort of flow of logic that they want to see. Justin, I've been following you on LinkedIn for quite a while now. And as part of your steady growth consulting, and this is really a cornerstone of steady growth consulting, this idea of sales engineering, it's a completely unique concept. So tell us, Justin, what exactly is, what is sales engineering? Sure. Well, I guess first, let me say, I'm so grateful for connecting with you and and sharing in each other's journey. You have so many unique things going on, including this podcast. So it's it's been really cool to connect with you and see what you have going on and you're following and kind of cheering on what I have going on. So first, I really want to thank you and I really appreciate that connection. Yeah, truly. My pleasure, Justin. But the term sales engineering, I would say it's been around for a while. It's definitely not my invention, yet it's definitely one that radiates with me because of my background. So it's the idea of taking, typically taking engineers and making them into effective technical salespeople. Companies like this because they can send in a salesperson to customers and they can handle most anything that comes up because of their overall technical understanding. So they can meet with the customer's engineering group, they can move on to the next room and meet with the purchasing team and anybody in between. So this saves a company a lot of time and money because they have this kind of one good window. And I think the customers appreciate that too, because they have this one window person they can count on. So communication is more streamlined. So in the end, suppliers still need engineers doing the design work, being the true inventors and creators. Yet the salesperson, if, if they can be more technical, more of a sales engineer, then the salesperson can be much more effective therefore more valuable to the company, to the customer, and to themselves. Right. And so maybe the million-dollar question here then, Justin, is how does somebody go about then developing the skills necessary to be a successful sales engineer? How would you uh, coach somebody through that process? 
Yeah. And I found the combo of technical engineering background mixed with sales, you know, to make for a great career. So one, I tell people that on the front end, it's a great move. That said, it's much easier to start on the technical side, like being an engineer than adding the sales versus the other way around. Um, It's still possible, but it's it's a lot harder to be a salesperson. You got to pick up a little technical. But when you did all the schooling and then some hands-on time as an engineer, like that's all ingrained in you. Now you got to learn the sales side, which is more leaning towards learning the softer skills around communication, empathy, leadership. Engineers are known typically for being organized. So that's already part of the engineering package. But adding on how to be more strategic and commercially minded, that's where you can really step into that sales engineer role. As we're talking about this, you've actually uh, developed and released a new program now that's focused entirely on this. It's a new program called Technical Sales Accelerator. Tell us, Justin, you know, what type of material is included? And then second to that, you know, what inspired you to develop this new Technical Sales Accelerator program? So that's an online course I just completed. It's the result of several years of various sales trainings I've put together It's a variety of short, digestible videos where I speak about what I call the seven skills of superb technical salespeople. Right. What I find very valuable in this program is also the workbook that accompanies the course. Um, There's an Excel workbook kind of attached with all the videos. It's full of different actions the learner can take to get more clear and committed to their improvement in each of the skill sets. Also, the workbook contains several sheets. I call them cheat sheets that are to be completed to give the salesperson some tools to make them more effective in their work. Um, So in the end, the student walks away from the course, I believe more confident, um, having a greater purpose and an understanding of their role and how they can excel in that role. And then also having these tools, some of these assets to help make the job a lot easier. I think uh, as far as it being the first course I've created, I I really enjoyed it and I'm hoping other people do too. Again, I find technical sales to be kind of a unique area. A lot of what inspires it, kind of back to your question of me even wanting to create this, was just this idea when I was, you know, coming up in automotive, I took a variety of general sales classes they have around and they can be good in some way, but automotive is just so different. It's so unique. It really is. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the timing um, because we're working on programs, as you know, that aren't launching for five, six years. Right, right. And then we're coming into agreements. Like, again, when that launches, it's going to last for five, six years plus service. So there's there's just a different mindset. It's a different longer game that we're playing in automotive. Right, right. So I'm hoping that my perspective is kind of uh, skewed towards that mindset. I, I would say the course isn't, only for automotive people, but definitely automotive people will will get the most out of it for sure. You spend a great deal of time investing in your personal health. I always see you at the gym. I always see you eating healthy on LinkedIn. Uh, for those of us who follow you on LinkedIn, you frequently share your, your healthy recipes like your smoothies and your snacks. So let me ask this, Justin, how does a commitment to personal health then help you in your everyday life be successful in business? Mm, That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, wellness, it's definitely one of my core values. Just going back to more of my youth, I didn't really play team sports in high school. I kind of quit after middle school, but I was always one that went to the gym. 
that was always my thing. It still is. Um, not that I'm huge and muscular, but to stay strong, stay in shape. Um, that's another thing my father kind of instilled in me at an early age. We always had a weight bench and some right. dumbbells at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and eating clean is part of that. I've went on and off, you know, how clean I eat. Yet mostly I'm on a clean diet. I'd say about 80% or so or more is really good, clean, pure, raw stuff. And then still allowing some not so healthy kind of food choices in there as well. Um, Especially over the last two years, obviously been a lot of concerns around our immunity and just a lot of push for, you know, vaccines and other things to be a solution. But I've really stepped up working on maintaining my own healthy self and things I can control directly. Um, which I think a lot has to do with diet and exercise, you know, especially I, I have a very full-time job. I am a, a vice president currently at a fuse supplier. Right. Um, so I have a beyond full-time job with yep. that and then trying to do things on the side, build this uh, steady growth business on the side. And mm-hmm. I do have a family. I have uh, two kids, almost mostly grown, almost an empty nester, honestly. Um, <laughs> my daughter is 20. My son is 16. So plenty going on, but yeah. that, that health is so foundational. I'm just trying to make it a more and more of a priority in my life. But there's still one more thing <laughs> that I want to talk about. Justin, you have a music background as a hip hop artist, which mm. I think is just so cool. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I like your, your music too. You, you sent me the SoundCloud. Uh, my favorite track is uh, Still Here. I, I, I really like that one. And you're talking and you're you know, rapping about how everybody has left Detroit, but you're still here and there's all these rappers in the game, you know, and I I just love it. So Justin, how did you get into music? How did you become a hip hop artist and and just share that story with us? Cause that just sounds so cool. Yeah. And it's it's funny just that you know about it. You have to know you're one of the the chosen few because I, (laughs) with age and with time, it's, it's always been something that's been very separate from my business life. Right. You know, it, it, in some cases, it doesn't gel so well with the business world. Sure. But um, yeah, I guess going back, I grew up loving music, especially hip hop. Yeah. Um, it started in fourth grade when I got my first Run DMC cassette. Nice. Which I remember very well. And it rolled on from there. And it was just always something that that radiated with me that I would, it just felt right. I like all, a lot of other types of music, but that's the one I always go back to. But as far as me more making music, that started in my last two years or so of college. Um, mm-hmm. I went to Central Michigan University okay. and I met my friend up there, uh, DJ Heavy. He was doing a hip hop radio show on okay. Sunday nights. He had it from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, so cool. the true hip hop sh- uh, yeah. spot to have late at night on a Sunday. <laughs> um, but he was so focused on spinning records. You know, He was doing the raw two turntables, spinning vinyl. So I came in and he was like, yeah, go ahead, get on the mic, go ahead, help post, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm worried about the records. I'm playing the music. He didn't want to get on there and talk. Right. So right. I started getting on there and just saying whatever I was feeling or introducing some songs and talking. We had no structure. We had nobody really, there's no adults in the room telling us what we could or couldn't do. So it was pretty much a free for all on those Sunday nights, which was great. And we used to have a lot of rappers that were in the college come up to the station and we would have these big open mic freestyle sessions and ton of fun. Cool. Um, So my rap skills started improving and I was getting into it more and more. And one of the rappers who came up there, him and I hit it off quite well. Um, His name's Josh Janak, goes by JM. Okay. Um, And him, Heavy and I 
basically post-college decided we were going to form a group. Actually, really, before we right before we graduated, we started doing some Battle of the Bands and some of the events around the campus. Sure, sure. Um, and that was a ton of fun. But after graduation, we kind of took it more serious. We started networking more in Detroit with some of the big producers at the time, like DJ House Shoes and Wajid and some of these guys. And eventually I started my own record label because we were going to be putting out music and weren't signed or found, you know, by some big label. So I made my own. Right. Um, And I ended up putting out four vinyl records plus two CDs, um, all independent. But we did get some global distribution, which was nice. So they were put out around the world, which was really cool. We did a lot of shows locally, you know, kind of the big places like St. Andrew's Hall the shelter there and blind pig in Ann Arbor. So we did that for probably three or four years. But again, that was like a transition time. We're out of college. We're now having careers. We have family lives. We're all married. Sure. Um, Kids are coming into the picture. Right. So we kind of slowed down and eventually kind of just stopped as a group. But then I got the itch on my own (laughs) when I hit about 30 yeah. So I bought a bunch of equipment. I had a drum machine. I set everything up in my basement and I made my first and last solo album. It was called 1987. It was 19 songs at 87 yeah. per minute. And it was dedicated to my 87 Cadillac Fleetwood Brawl. That's so cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's car, so cool. Um, which has its own story of itself. But I went down, I got that down in Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. found it from an older gentleman who kept it in what he said, the basement but was really the garage under his house. Right. And I mean, it still had the plastic on the seats. It was like the car you want to find when you're looking for a classic. Yeah. So I had that car and I loved it so much and kind of made that part of the theme of the album. But I did all the production, the recording, the writing, the mixing. And then I basically quit after that. It was kind of my last hurrah. But I still, I got a little setup at home now where I still do some things. I'm making beats again and love it or for my own fun. Yeah. And yeah. kind of see where it goes because it was something I missed and I wanted to add more fun in my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start playing around music again for my own enjoyment. So what is in your, I, I almost said CD player because I'm, I'm dating myself here, but right. uh, you know, I have a CD player. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what is in your CD player or your MP3 player or whatever it is that the, the young folks are listening to music on now, but uh, what, uh, what are you listening to right now as, as far as music? What's your go-to? Well, so I have Spotify Okay. and I go through Spotify or I've went through Spotify and I find all the old kind of hip and some new, but mostly old hip hop stuff I like. I just like it, you know, with a little heart. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to all my liked songs on shuffle. Love so it. whatever old school hip hop stuff comes on <laughs> in that shuffle is pretty much what I listen to. And if I don't want to hear it, I click to the next one on the shuffle. But that's kind of my approach lately. That's fantastic, my friend. Justin, I, I want to thank you for your time sharing your automotive experience, your sales and engineering experience. And then, of course, obviously for sharing, you know, your strategies for personal health. And then just at the end here, just, you know, the, the, the neat music background that you have. So, Justin, want to thank you for your time and just being here today. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Carl. Um, really appreciate you and wish you and your team with the podcast here and everything else you got going on all the best to learn more about steady growth consulting and to enroll in the technical sales accelerator program visit steadygrowthco.com that's steadygrowthco.com you can also talk with justin directly via email jc at steadygrowthco.com 
That's JC at SteadyGrowthCo.com. And you can find him on LinkedIn by searching Justin C. McKnight. In Detroit with Justin McKnight, I'm Carl Anthony, AutoVision News Radio.